There are 16 critical infrastructure sectors whose assets, systems, and networks, whether physical or virtual, are considered so vital to the United States that their incapacitation or destruction would have a debilitating effect on security, national economic security, national public health or safety, or any combination thereof. One of those 16 sectors is the healthcare and public health sector. Welcome to Advancing Health, a podcast from the American Hospital Association. I'm Tom Petterly with AHA Communications. In this podcast, John Regi, Senior Advisor for Cybersecurity and Risk at the AHA, speaks with three government officials to highlight how various government and health sector partnerships support national cybersecurity. Thanks, Tom. This is John Regi, your Senior Advisor for Cybersecurity and Risk. And thanks again for joining us for another episode in our continuing Cyber and Risk podcast series, Frontline Perspective. In this series, we feature highly accomplished leaders from the healthcare field and government who provide us the inside story in their frontline perspective on cyber criminal and national security threats to healthcare and what they are doing to help inform and defend the nation's hospitals and health systems against these threats and will also provide us with best practices to help identify and reduce the risk posed by these threats. Today, we'll be focusing on the government perspective, the Department of Health and Human Services specifically, but not just one component of HHS, but three separate components of HHS, who we are pleased to say we work with closely almost every day. Today, we'll have representatives from the health Sector Cybersecurity Coordination Center, HC3, from the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, known as ASPR, and Risk Management and Compliance Division, GRC. So I'd like to introduce our guest today. First, we have Raul Gaitande. Raul is the Acting Branch Chief for the Health Sector Cybersecurity Coordination Center. Prior to joining HHS, Mr. Gaitande was in government consulting, supporting the Department of Health and Human Services and Homeland Security, where he advised clients on issues related to telecom, risk management, and cybersecurity. Bob Bastani is the Senior Cybersecurity Advisor for the Critical Infrastructure in the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response. He also co-leads the Government-Wide Cybersecurity Coordinating Council for Health Sector in the Joint Healthcare and Public Health Sector Cybersecurity Working Group. In his role, Bob works across government and the healthcare and public health sector in order to improve the sector's cybersecurity risk posture. Julie Chua is the Director of Governance, Risk Management and Compliance Division within HHS Office of Information Security. Julie is also the federal lead for the implementation of the Cybersecurity Act of 2015 Section 405D, Aligning Healthcare Cybersecurity Approaches. This public-private partnership effort is one of many HHS cybersecurity initiatives to help push forward cybersecurity and resiliency of the healthcare sector. So not only do we have three distinguished guests joining with us, I'm very happy and privileged to call all of them friends and colleagues who really truly do help support 
the nation's hospitals and health systems every day. So Bob, let's start with you. Very broad question. We hear the phrase critical infrastructure quite a bit from government and industry. We all think we know what it means when we all know that healthcare is one of those critical infrastructures. But just to level set, could you briefly tell us what critical infrastructure sectors there are and how they are defined? And thank you, John. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, the Homeland Security Presidential Directive 7 established a national policy for federal department and agencies to identify and pr prioritize critical infrastructures. There are 16 infrastructure sectors whose assets and systems and networks are deemed to be vital to the national security of the nation. And any disruption, uh, the, the, uh, serious disruption in the critical, in these 16 sectors would have a severe impact, economic impact, public health impact, uh, to, and the national security. One of these 16 sectors is healthcare and public health sector. The sector, as, as you all know, is extremely diverse. It includes uh, literally uh, everything from uh, cradle to grave, from uh, hospitals, nursing home, dialysis center, uh, IT systems, uh, manufacturing distributions of drugs and devices, and mortuary care. Um, when we think about critical infrastructure in this sector, we think of everything that's involved from systems, staff, space, and all the stuff that's in between. Uh, and this is really important to, um, for this sector, is really critical to national security because it provides and supports healthcare, community health, access to medical records, insurance co coverage, and supports the resilience uh, supply chain. The, because of the vast majority of healthcare and public health assets are privately owned and operated, it is critical that colla uh, collaboration between public and private sector is really optimized. Uh, so there, uh, this, this really is for, very unique for healthcare and public health because of the fact that the majority of assets are owned and operated by private sector. Thanks, Bob. Clearly, the pandemic demonstrates how critical healthcare is to the nation, not only for public health and safety, but also for our economic security and, as you said, our national security. Julie, turning over to you. So I know you work very closely with Bob, with, with all of us, but we mentioned Section 405D of the CISA statute. So, Julie, how does your role in your department implement HHS 405D, and, and, and how do you work with the sector in, in that implementation? So I think the key aspect of the 405D program is what Bob has mentioned and what you just mentioned, John. It is public-private partnership. This means that government and private sector stakeholders work together and within the 405D program, they share their expertise 
best practices, perspectives, and they all come to consensus on what is applicable to the entire healthcare sector. As you mentioned, this effort is out of a key piece of legislation, and we are currently still working very diligently in terms of producing additional resources and best practices that we think the sector would be um, would benefit from. Another key thing about this group that I'd like to mention is it is made up of healthcare and cybersecurity professionals. We have members from IT, cybersecurity, privacy. We also have lawyers. And more importantly, we have physicians, nurse practitioners, hospital administrators, and other non-IT, non-cyber professionals. At one point, we even had a dentist and a dental association within the group. I mentioned this and emphasize this because the cornerstone publication that the 405B program and its past group produced is really from the lens of healthcare first and then cybersecurity. And that publication is called Health Industry Cybersecurity Practices, Managing Threats and Protecting Patients. The aim of this publication is to raise awareness, provide vetted cybersecurity practices, and really move organizations, no matter the size or maturity level, to mitigate some of the most pertinent cybersecurity threats. Thank you, Julie. Having participated in the task force, I know what a tremendous effort that is and really how beneficial that it is to have all these perspectives represented. And to speak to the significance of the work of the HICP uh, resource that was developed last year, it was specifically cited in legislation that was passed, H.R. 7898, and signed into law on uh, January 5th, which recognizes HICP as one of the industry's recognized cybersecurity practices, which would allow some regulatory relief if a HIPAA covered entity becomes victim of a cyber attack. And in fact, they've had recognized practices such as HICP in place for the previous 12 months. We can chat a little bit about that later. But um, Raul, let me uh, turn to you. And what? let me ask you this. What is the health sector cybersecurity coordination center? I love the government acronyms always, you know, HC3. What's your role there? And how do you engage the sector in the department? Thanks, Sean. We appreciate the invite. We love working with the AHA. Um, so very broadly, the HC3, uh, our mission is to support the defense of the healthcare and public health sectors, information technology infrastructure by strengthening coordination and information sharing within the sector and by cultivating cybersecurity resilience, regardless of the organization's technical capacity. So in practice, we are an information sharing center that looks to provide our the healthcare community with tactical information on how best to defeat or prevent cyber attacks right now. So our products range from alerts to briefings on on major threat actors, on current patches that they should be putting into place, and also best practices that are developed either by the department through the 405D program or NIST or CISA. 
HC3 really works within the department and without to share information bilaterally. So we work with our partners in the FDA, we work with partners in CMS, and we work with ASPAR as you know, some of the technical expertise they use during cyber incidents. Thanks, Raul. Um, I think you, you know that AHA really values your products. In fact, we post them on our public-facing webpage, and they are available depending on the uh, uh, dissemination classification to the general public, because we really believe, quite frankly, they've come a long way in the past couple of years. So I think that's a credit to you and your team. And uh, they're really good, insightful products that summarize what the current threats are. And we certainly need that type of perspective from all the agencies, you know, not only FBI and DHS, CISA, but HHS being uh, the sector risk management agency is in fact uh, your perspective that I think is very useful for healthcare. So I just mentioned sector risk management agency. So Bob, let me turn to you and ask you if you could tell us what are the sector risk management agencies? Thank you, John. So we talked about the the 16 critical infrastructures. Um, For each of these critical infrastructures um, sectors, a federal agency has been assigned to them as their sector risk management agency or SRMA. And for healthcare and public health, uh, HHS is the S- has been assigned as the SRMA. Uh, now the roles, there were a lot of different legislations and, and executive orders that sort of uh, dictated the role of the SRMA previously, but in 2021, the National Defense Authorization Act codified the role of the sector risk management agencies. Uh, in short, uh, SRMAs are expected to leverage their tacit and expressed knowledge of their sector, uh, of their assigned sector to um, do a few things. For them, coordinate and collaborate with DHS and other relevant federal and, and and department agencies coordinate with critical infrastructure owner and operators and independent regulatory agencies, the state, local, tribal, and territorial entities. Um, all the activities uh, of of all these agencies and entities in support of their sector. They serve as day-to-day federal interface. Uh, for their sector, and they uh, coordinate the incident management responsibilities, major incident management, uh, uh, they carry out major incident management responsibilities, um, and they provide support or facilitate technical assistance to the Secretary of Homeland Security security, um, in their statutory reporting requirements. Um, so the the law that was passed, the NDA law, uh, also um, specifies uh, uh, this uh, SRMA role in support of the sector and uh, and codifies the importance of critical critical infrastructure uh, for domestic uh, cybersecurity. Thanks, Bob. Julie, let's get back to you here for a moment. So we're starting to talk about the attacks. We clearly see the headlines every day of another healthcare organization being victimized by a ransomware attack or some other major cyber event. 
So as the sector is consistently under attack, and I would say increasing attack, from from your perspective as the co-lead of this private-public partnership, what are the key things to focus on and immediate actions you think our sector needs to take to counter these cybersecurity attacks? So that is a huge question. We always hear about that question. So I'll try to categorize a a concerted response to make sure that there are some actionable things that your listeners can take away. So the first category would be underneath the umbrella of looking at your cybersecurity risks as part of your enterprise risks and core risks that you manage. The second category is a very important one because we always say it, but it's worth saying um, and emphasizing again and again that for our healthcare and public health sector, cyber safety is really patient safety. And in in association with that, cybersecurity is, is not solely an IT issue. And the third thing that I'm going to say about uh, your question here is there are certain very tactical and actionable and I would say basic things on a day-to-day basis that I think the audience can take away. So the first thing about healthcare where cyber safety is patient safety. We say that a lot, but I think it needs to be a little more uh, detailed so that a nurse, for example, or a physician, or maybe you are in a billing manager position or somewhere outside of your IT and info stop, cybersecurity teams. When a cyber attack occurs, it is important when, for everyone to know what their roles and responsibilities are during a response. And that could include contingencies for paper processes, your communications plans, and where your data is and where to obtain it during the attack and after. I say these things because these roles, as you can tell, are not merely or not solely within an IT or cybersecurity space. So it's really important for everyone within an organization to know their role, their responsibility when it comes to incident response. So the second thing that I mentioned is ERM, so enterprise risk management. Simply, that is the practice of really looking at your core risks as interrelated risks. And it really ties your risk management decisions and processes, activities into your mission and business impact. It's very important for our sector to realize that cybersecurity should be in those conversations for us to holistically address cybersecurity risks within our organization. Thanks, Julie. I think you know that I couldn't agree with you more on cyber risk as being truly an enterprise risk management where every tactical and strategic function is impacted by cyber risk and every function in the organization really has the ability to either help mitigate cyber risk or, if they're not following the procedures, cause cyber risk. 
And uh, one of the expressions I always use is uh, cyber hygiene is like medical hygiene in protecting patients. You wash your hands after you leave a patient's room. You need to lock that computer, use multi-factor authentication, and uh, continue to follow good uh, cyber hygiene and continue to follow best practices when scanning and opening emails. So Raul, let me uh, turn over back to you. So what, what do you think? hospitals should do to prepare for cyber incidents? And how can HC3 help? Well, John, I want to echo what Julie says. Cyber incidents are not just an IT problem. It's really a whole of hospital problem. And we recommend that hospitals and any health delivery organization treat a cyber incident the same way they treat any other disaster scenario. It doesn't matter if it's a flood or a ransomware attack. You know your organization is going to be without normal operating procedure. You're going to be relying on backups, and it's not something that's going to go away in a few hours. It's not that email is down for the afternoon, but don't worry, by the night shift, it'll be back. We've seen a lot of times that these you know, cyber attacks, well, are they're mitigated relatively quickly. The downstream impacts and to fully recover will take days, weeks, if not months. So organizations need to be prepared for this to not just be a one-time event, but a relatively prolonged event and how do they bring operations back in a smart way so that things are safely brought back, securely brought back and effectively brought back in an order that lets them continue with operations and treat patients effectively. We also recommend that organizations drill. I know it's not the most fun thing in the world to have to take a system down and you know go to paper backups and things like that, but the more people are prepared for it, the less they're surprised when it happens, and they know how to combat the situation when it does happen. You know, we find that a lot of organizations will do this during downtimes, late at night, or you know, on the weekend, late night shift when things are pretty quiet. It's great for regular operations, but then when something happens, it's usually not during the quiet time. It's usually during the busy time. So you want to make sure that every shift is trained and prepared on how to respond. Roel, so as we know, Ransomware attacks targeting hospitals and health systems have increased pretty dramatically with the onset of the pandemic. We've seen numerous foreign ransomware gangs beyond the reach of U.S. law enforcement seemingly acting with impunity in in exploiting a global health crisis for illicit gain while disrupting care delivery and risking patient safety. Raul, can you tell us from your perspective, what are the ransomware threats and what tactics are they using, and how, how, how do we as a sector receive your threat intelligence? Well, John, you know, ransomware is something that's not only impacting the healthcare sector, but it's impacting all sectors. We've seen some pretty, you know, large attacks over the last couple of months. There was JBS Foods, which attacked the food sector. There was another recent attack on a farm co-op based in the Midwest. And of course, there was the big attack on the pipeline, which you know ended up causing some real-world damage in folks not able to get gas pretty quickly. In the healthcare space, we're seeing it cost the the entire sector around $21 billion last year, which is you know quite a bit of money, especially considering that the sector was already pretty beaten dealing with the pandemic and having a lot of our the secondary sources of income stopped because of that. And ransomware gangs have evolved. You know, it's not just some kid in a basement trying to launch an attack. These are sophisticated, organized cyber criminals that are, you know, working transnationally. So it's not just one group in one place, they're spread out across the world. And a lot of them are now replicating the best businesses that you see uh, out there. 
and they've gotten to the point where they're now offering it as a service. You know, you've heard of SaaS providers, software as a service. We now have RAS providers, ransomware as a service. So anyone can get onto the dark web, find a provider they want, request an attack, pay some money in Bitcoin, and boom, you know, launch an attack. So it's becoming very democratized, unfortunately, where anyone can go in and do this. And we're seeing a couple of different, you know, things come through with this. One is that the decryptors aren't always accurate, which is why, you know, we really don't recommend folks pay for these things because just because you pay for it doesn't mean what you're going to get back is working or it'll work effectively or quickly. We've seen entities which have paid for things take two, three weeks just to get the decryption done. We're also seeing a lot of double extortion. That's where not only is the entity uh, asked for money, but then the people whose data is stolen is also being asked for money. Not only that, when you pay, they sometimes will release this information anyway. So there's really no security in knowing that, oh, I've paid, I'm going to get my money back. Uh, and finally, a lot of the malware and ransomware we're seeing is coming out of multiple stage attacks. And this is especially true with prominent uh, threats from TrickBot and Emotet. They come in through one way, do a little bit of damage, then you think you've beaten the back. Turns out they're just hiding in another part of your network. So you really have to be holistic when you're trying to get these things out of your systems. The one kind of generally positive thing that we're seeing is that because the government is taking ransomware so seriously, the Department of Justice has elevated ransomware attacks to be a major threat and have now developed a special commission on it. They're going after bigger game. Hopefully, these bigger entities are able to protect themselves a little bit better, but it doesn't mean the small folks are exempt because, as I mentioned earlier, ransomware is a service. Anyone can go on, click, buy an attack, and set it loose uh, across the entire sector. So we really recommend that folks take this threat seriously and make sure you're on top of, you know, your patching, make sure you're on top of security training for your folks. You know, phishing emails uh, continue to be one of the top ways that threats enter uh, network systems is people click a link, people download something. It's a bad malware attachment is how it gets in is the people are the hardest part in an organization to really secure. You can buy all the firewalls and you know logging you want, but if your staff isn't trained up, knows how to prevent things from coming in, they're gonna let it in. And finally, you asked, how can you get our information? Our website, hhs.gov slash hc3 has all of our products on there. It also has ways to contact us if you'd like to join our listserv. We also hold two public briefings each month where the entire sector is invited to these briefings. And we talk about, a variety of different topics from how to protect yourself against ransomware, different threats in the sector, uh, upcoming threats that we're seeing, and also general changes in the cybersecurity landscape from how to secure the supply chain, how to use you know new tools, things of that nature. Thank you, Raul. So on the one hand, uh, very discouraging, but realistic that we know that cyber attacks, ransomware attacks are increasing in the availability of ransomware as a service. Democratization, I believe you said, I think that's a very good phrase for ransomware is increasing uh, the attacks against our healthcare sector, but also encouraging to hear how closely your team is working across HHS, across government, and with us in the healthcare sector to help warn and defend us of these threats. So we've got a, just a couple of minutes left. I'm gonna turn back to each of you, if you could uh, give us some final thoughts if uh, in about 30 seconds or so. Let me go back to you, Bob. Any final thoughts? Um, I think the, the, the depth and the complexity of the attacks are increasing. And uh, that combined with 
the fact that the sector as a whole is facing um, um, tsunami of new technologies that are coming in ML based AI based technologies is really changing the game. It's becoming increasingly important that the collaboration across uh, private and public uh, sectors are in, are substantially increased. Uh, we are seeing uh, new challenges that really only the, uh, that we can address them only through uh, substantial collaboration. And John, I also want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Julie, over to you. Any final thoughts? So final thoughts for me is more of a call to action. And there's three things that I'd like the audience to take away. One is keep educating yourselves, as Rahul just mentioned, awareness training and making sure you know what your organization's policies are. And if anything, know how to report phishing email attempts. It is very important if you think you are suspicious of an email, make sure you know how to report that because that will help your um, information security and IT teams to try to mitigate any impending attack. The third thing I'm gonna say is know where your data is and get involved with your incident response teams, be it your emergency management or your cyber team and let them know this is what I need. And this is where the ERM uh, aspect of things comes in because everyone needs to know what our medical professionals and clinical operations need and vice versa, what our cybersecurity teams are asking in terms of protecting patient data and um, networks as a whole. Thank you, Julie. Raul, final thoughts. John, thanks again for the invite. We appreciate the ability to engage with our stakeholders. And what I like to say is kind of go back to that old DHS saying, if you see something, say something. If you're seeing something hit your network, if you're seeing something impacting your organization from a cyber perspective, let DHC3 know. We're here to collect that data, anonymize it, and share it with the community. We never, you know, victim shame. We never say, hey, this group told us, or a hospital in Spokane, Washington. Nope. We always call it a trusted third party. The more information you can share with us, the more we can share with the community, and the more we can make everyone safe. Because if they're going after your organization, they're going after your neighbor and their neighbor and further on. So I reiterate, if you see something, say something. Thanks, John. Thanks, Raul. So in conclusion, I think today's podcast demonstrates we are definitely continuing on a path to a whole of nation approach to countering cyber threats. Where the private sector and government continue to work in close cooperation and exchange threat and inf stop to exchange threat information and expertise to stop to defend against the ever increasing cyber threats and attacks in which foreign adversaries are stealing our data, disrupting healthcare, and risking patient safety in a already severely COVID stressed healthcare environment. So thank you to all three of you and really to all the men and women of the Department of Health and Human Services for what you do every day to inform and defend healthcare and service to the nation. And thanks to all our healthcare listeners for what you do 
and have done during the pandemic to care for our patients and keep our community safe. This has been John Regi, your Senior Advisor for Cybersecurity and Risk. Stay safe, everyone.